There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. We will continue exploring, discovering new worlds, new civilizations. Welcome to The Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... I'm Redshirt Dave, and tonight we'll be discussing Episode 11 of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Well, we do have a little bit of news, as our fave Jerry Ryan put it out there last week that Season 2 of Picard is going to start filming in February, so that's good. Yeah, that's actually a delay. Yes. But I'm glad she's here for us. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and we know Strange New Worlds has already started their production for season one of their show. So it'll be interesting to see which show we get next. If is, is it going to be season two of Lower Decks, then Strange New Worlds, then Picard, wow. then season four of Discovery? Hmm. Mm. Interesting. And hopefully yeah. it won't be too. Maybe we'll be lucky and get Lower Decks this summer. I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I just want to comment that they don't care how much they throw at us. No. <laughs> show after show, and they're like, oh, another podcast, fine. Yeah. <laughs> also, in the news, Steve, for the captain's chair, I didn't realize the captain's chair came with a little burr under the handle. Why did someone tell me that? Been, yes. <laughs> I look at them, oh my God, there is one here. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking they must have done that. They just, oh, it's a mistake. I'm like, BS, it is not. They do it on purpose just to make fun of these captains, like those nervous Nellies out there. We better give them something to touch. Yeah. <laughs> Let them think it's a mistake. Yep. So what did you think about this episode? Uh, well, I, I go back to some of our thoughts from earlier, like why is Burnham the focus of the show when all her uh, conflicts have been taken away? But now they, they haven't. Uh, we, we had thought that, well, well, why don't you just leave Saru on this planet they discovered inside the nebula, and then all of a sudden she's the captain. Although I would love a fight on the ship between those behind Tilly and those behind Burnham. I think Tilly would win. Yeah. <laughs> but uh I, you know there's two episodes left so what are they gonna do i mean before they had they pretty much defanged burnham and they gave her her boyfriend right they, they got rid of Giorgio, so there's no excuse for her to act out anymore so she, why is she any different from anybody else on the crew right except she's got a great smile <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i thought it was amazing to see how the holodeck program changed them and we get to see doug jones in human form oh, that yeah. was awesome <laughs> the only time i see doug jones as a human is when if you look him up on the internet yeah. otherwise, <laughs> otherwise he's some alien yeah absolutely and I, of course it i think i probably would have rather seen 
Tilly get Discovery out of there instead of having Osira take it. I mean, yeah, it's going to give us more next week as Burnham tries to take back the Discovery, but and get back to save Saru and Culber. So, and Adira. So, I don't know if we're covering this later, but I thought one demerit for Tilly. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, when something happens and you can't get in contact with somebody like in engineering, what do you do? You just send a security team there yes that's uh, star trek has been doing that forever yes forever. <laughs> and, and she didn't think of it at all so hmm. yep all funny. right well let's get into episode 11 dave sukal discovery ventures into the verubin and i i keep reading it as verubian i don't know what that I is <laughs> uh, and i'm i'm i vow by the end of the episode to have you say verubian too yeah <laughs> The Verubin Nebula, where Burnham, Saru, Culber make a shocking realization about the origin of the burn as the rest of the crew faces an unexpected threat. I don't know about unexpected. (laughs) Yeah, well. (laughs) It should have been expected, that's for sure. It should have been. Well, we pick up in the memorial reception for Jurju, who left the ship in the show at the end of the previous episode. How rare was that? Yeah. Right where we left off. I know, I like that, actually. Yeah, as Stamets comforts Adira about their feelings of isolation, guess who shows up? Gray. Maybe they should call him Blue because of his hair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'd get too confusing. Yeah. Blue (laughs) Blue Adira. (laughs) Blue DeBario and Blue Gray. (laughs) As the Trill apologizes for his prolonged absence, their reunion is interrupted with the discovery. As Stamets gets notified that they have gotten into the Kelpian vessel, and there just happens to be a life sign on that vessel. Okay. Yeah, of course there is. Didn't you love, though, that the Stamets' reaction to Gray? Yeah. to give him a piece of his mind? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the look on, on Gray's face is like he's crushed. Yeah. <laughs> So, of course, they immediately mount a rescue mission, jumping to the location in the Berubian Nebula. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Get I did it. You, uh, it didn't take me long, did it? <laughs> All right. However, when the ion storm inside the nebula proves too dangerous, Book takes his ship in to find the Ka'ith nearly dying from radiation in the process. That wouldn't have made uh, Burnham too happy. Not too happy at all. But he brings back the information that the ship crashed on a planet made entirely out of dilithium. Who? What? What? Yeah. (laughs) So that nursery ends up becoming an entire planet in, Uh, what, 125 years or something? (laughs) Yep. So, of course, seeing a fellow Kelpian in distress, Captain Saru opts to break protocol and go with the away team to rescue the life sign. Well, there's our first mistake. Mm. Though I'm not sure Saru would have done any better with Osira than Tilly did, but but, I think he would, but I don't know. I I like the... Burnham's reaction, she goes, I'm not sure he, he could be objective. I just looked at the screen and went, ah, you're saying someone can't be objective? <laughs> someone who runs around the galaxy, do whatever, whatever she wants. Like, oh, I'm not sure we can trust this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a mirror. Hold it in front of your face for another 30 seconds. Tell me what you see. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes alongside Burnham and Dr. Culber. And, of course, Culber has to calm down Stamets, 
saying this is something he wants to do, he needs to do, so. Yeah. Damn it, come on. Yeah. (laughs) You're in the Federation, you don't think this is going to come up? All the time, get used to it. (laughs) And of course, we do see that little uh, conversation between Burnham and Book where... She wants to be there to make the hard decisions the captain won't, while Culber sympathizes with the isolation the Kelpian may be feeling. Yeah. yeah. Culber is very, has been very human lately. Yeah. They've done some good job with his writing. Oh, absolutely. And it's good to see him back to this, you know, because there for a little while last season, he was just staying isolated from everybody. So. I know. Frosty Culber. Yeah. Didn't like, it. <laughs> didn't like him. Now, of course, Saru's anxiety is not helped with the new information that the Emerald Chain has been conducting military exercises near his home planet of Kaminar. A clear effort by Osiris to draw discovery and its spore drive into a trap. And Saru, Saru goes, okay, let's go. And they're all looking at him like, dude, that's what he wants you to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wants you to do. Oh, man. Maybe maybe they're right. Maybe he isn't ready. Yeah. And Vance says, oh, we've got ships on the way. We'll, we'll take care of it. Make sure your planet stays safe. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what a... An outlaw organization military exercises look like. They just blow up little planets. Flaws <laughs> only half populated, who cares? Right. <laughs> so, Saru's absence means a newly minted officer, first officer, Tilly, is left in charge, as we predicted. Yep. Her test. Nervous, Tilly talks with Michael, and her BFF dispenses a coping mechanism found in the captain's chair. Keeper grounded. The pep top seems to work. As after the away team beams off discovery, Tilly takes to the command and with confidence, her finger pressed on the secret burr underneath her armrest. Something, as we just said earlier, I didn't know we had, but now I do. Yeah, of course. So awesome. <laughs> the Dilithium planet, it turns out, is far from what it first appears. The away team is instantly transformed with Culver turned into a Bajoran, Michael into a Trill, and Saru into a human. So, was any of that shocking to you? I mean, the, the change in looks or species? Oh, yeah. It was like, what the hell's going on? I was as, <laughs> as confused as they were. It was like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> I thought uh, Michael was like Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah. What are you wearing? <laughs> so they arrive in a wintry forest, finding a hologram stuck in a loop, giving replicator instructions. That poor thing. Right. Soon they inside a rocky spire nearby, only to find a crumbling MC Escher-esque nightmare inside. Oh, boy, did I love Escher when I was going through high school. Oh, absolutely. About six, 600 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't agree with me. <laughs> it was one favorite. I mean, he, the, he always had, like, the dummies, like, mannequins going up and down the stairs. That was one of his more things. He couldn't figure out what up was or was down. But he did right. this famous uh, drawing of two hands drawing each other. Right. Ever, oh, God, that's so great. <laughs> this is mind-bending. Yes. <laughs> but there's more inside than just disintegrating stairs. They find what appears to be the Kelpian life sign, Bill Irwin, tottering to himself. Bill Irwin is amazing. Oh, He's so yes, great. he is. I thought at first that uh, Jones was going to do double duty. Right. You know, so I thought, oh, that must be him. Then I saw there was Bill Irwin, and Bill Irwin's got a huge amount of sci-fi credit. He was Carrie Loudermilk on the Legion series, and he was always oh, a robot. I, I think I know the name of the robot, or at least I could scroll and find it on uh, that movie, Interstellar. Right, yeah. Uh, 
He was so great. Yeah, and what <laughs> I was mean, even... you didn't see him at all, of course. He was just a robot, but he's the voice of the robot. Right, oh, and what was I... even more Tars. amazing... Yeah. That's it, Tars. What he was... goes out and the Tars robot rescues the guy in the water. Yep. That was so great. He's got a new show coming out, too, called The Gilded Age yeah. in 2021. <laughs> Guy's keeping busy. Yes, he is. And it was amazing that Doug actually ended up helping recruit Bill Irwin for this role. Oh, really? Yeah, because... Of course. Doug was the original Kelpian, so he always has to work with the other actors who actually have to play a Kelpian. And so yeah. they had him get a hold of Bill before Bill even agreed to sign on. And, of course, they've known each other for a while, so it didn't take a whole lot for <laughs> Doug <laughs> to convince Bill to do it. Yeah, wow, it's amazing. I also found out that Bill Irwin is six years older than me, so, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm a boomer, that makes him Sonic Boomer? <laughs> so, first contact is far from smooth, though the idea of an outside confounds him. And when we're talking about the Kelpian life sign, in case we yes. digress too much, <laughs> the conversation is interrupted when a set of previously barred doors swings open. Fearing the monster inside, the Kelpian runs off, and the away team splits up to analyze the situation further. In pursuit of the Kelpian, Saru and Kalbo run into a group of holograms, reenacting the day Kaminar entered the Federation. The head hollow fills the duo in on the world they find themselves in. It's always helpful that these AI programs can actually tell you what's going on. Right, yes. Despite their programming. <laughs> oh, this isn't my programming, but I'll be happy to talk to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> they are inside a program aboard the Kaif, which has kept the life sign alive for over a century with both life support and various pieces of educational content. The away team serves as an anticipated input of the rescue that has been anticipated when the distress call was first sent out. Still, though, anticipated input. Yes. <laughs> And Culver struggles with that for a second. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. We're, we're the anticipated input. I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Michael encounters the monster within the program, a Kelpian seemingly made out of black mist. That thing was cool. Oh, yes, it was. And the stuff they spend money on, that was, that was pretty awesome. Now, I kind of got the feeling that that might have been Sukal's mom. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why. It just, it just felt that way. So that would be, uh, an electric com complex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I wonder if that's going to be explored further. I don't know. Huh. Well, it's supposed to be something that it elicits um, the courage to go on. Right, yeah. And Stand you, up you, to you, your fear. Right. And it also, if, if it is a mother figure, at least in the, this guy's head, <laughs> it could be you have to say goodbye to mom, too. Right. Simply, wow, that's weird. Steve, now I have to sit down. I get, where's that burr on my chair? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, so uh, Michael tries to escape it. The chase causes her to fall off the stairs and up to nowhere. That was good, too. You yes, have to. it was. <laughs> you have to. If, if it's an Escher, you don't fall down. You fall off. No, yes. <laughs> off planet, Discovery lies in wait to get its shields up and beam up the away team before they succumb to the radiation. I noticed some of the burns on them, too. Even right. though I deferred them right away, I'm like, uh-oh. Yep. But the crew's downtime is interrupted by the approach of a mysterious Federation ship. While the crew is confounded by how a Starfleet ship could be this far out, Tilly sees right through the facade. All right, Till. Run on cue, it com comes to be Osiris' ship, the Viridian, not the Rudian, having found the crew at last. 
Yes. Michael comes to with Sukal watching over her. And she puts on her best hollow performance, disguising her as an educational program on social interaction. I like that. I like how she's looking straight ahead. And then right. when she's interfaced with the subjects, she turns and smiles. Hello. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yes, it was. But her undercover act is short-lived as probing questions about the outsides cause him to melt down and take off once more. Meanwhile, Saru and Culber find a hollow of a Kelpian elder, as well as a picture that reveals the life signs name Sukal named symbolically to re- represent the end of suffering. <laughs> Even though he's been at it for like a hundred years or so. <laughs> exactly. As Saru reconnects with his culture via a lullaby and story, he notices that the program has taken several elements from Kelpian lore including a fortress that he uses as his home, as well as the monster being a kelp-covered creature that teaches children to face their fears. I still think it's mom. Discovery is then hailed by Osira, who mocks the sitting captain for not having the skills to command the ship. Tilly holds her own, though, exchanging crosswords with the Orion. (laughs) She refuses to give up, give the ship to the Emerald Chain, but soon finds she has no other choice. Chain members beam in just as the ship is about to jump, grabbing Stamets and holding their crew at phaser point. God, that's what bothered me. Yeah. If you're going to call out the stamp and send in a security team, hello. You can even beam there. Right. You got personal transporters. The security team should have just jumped right in there and take over. Yeah, that was a great fight. Yep. Osira ends up taking control of Discovery and thus its spore drive. And she also uses some sort of helmet to take control of Stamets. Headband. Airband. Yeah. Mind control. Luckily, Book and Stowaway Adira escaped to rescue the away team just before. I love the way Adira just showed up. Yeah, I know. I know. She's just following the script that everybody else acts out. They don't have any discipline at all. Right. Everybody just does what they want. Kirk would be outraged. Yes. Of course, he always did what he wanted. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's cute. Spoiler alert. So, Michael, Saru, and Kobo reunite in Sukal's fortress. They watch him get confronted, which causes an emotional outburst that sends out a massive wave of disturbance. (laughs) What comments that the energy destabilized the lithium musing it just nearly caused another burn i don't know why it didn't but it didn't yeah then it all comes together from michael burnham and then they go ruining another one of my theories yeah i know i still like mine mine's better yes mine's better instead they got some childlike being stuck in a peruvian nebula and every time he throws a fit he blows up thousands of starships Yeah, I'm not sure that's the way I would have chose to go in the writer's room. Right. But, you know, it's only it's only part one. Yep. We'll see. During his childhood, he must have had a similar reaction, producing a, a disturbance so large that it destabilized hundreds of ships' warp cores instantly. What was it? He didn't get to watch his favorite TV show? Right. Or it may have been, <laughs> uh, more than likely, it was the first time he saw the monster. Yeah. You mean his mother? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sent him to bed without, without a dinner. Right. Boom! There goes all the ships. So the cause of the burn is not a what but a who in in whoville yes <laughs> luckily saru prevents another disaster singing a kelpian lullaby to calm down sukal as sukal runs off once more the away team decides to have saru and 
Clover stay behind, despite the former's desire to stave off Osira. So, Book beams up the radioactive Michael, radioactive Michael, just as Adira beams down to the planet with pills to help the away team's sickness. Again, no discipline. The right. two take off back to Discovery, but it's too late. Osira has beamed aboard and commandeered the captain's chair, making both ships jump back to Federation headquarters, seemingly with ill intent, you think? Yeah. <laughs> How'd they get her ship to, uh... I think it was with the um, tentacles that were wrapped around oh, Discovery, okay. so it okay. just yeah, took it with her. Of course, tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we... Have we ever seen that? There was... This seemed to be aspects of uh, Doctor Who. Yeah. In, in, in this episode. <laughs> it, it was wasn't very, a tractor beam. It was tentacles. <laughs> yeah. That's strange. So we got some Easter eggs and boomer talk. Oh, I got a boomer talk. What was it? Oh, Tilly was saying, not now, not ever. Right. So this is where I put on my shawl and sit in my easy chair and smoke a pipe. <laughs> there used to be a, a TV show called uh, The Andy Williams Show. Now, Andy Williams is a very famous singer. Yes. He has some of the best Christmas songs out there. And I know everyone who's not my age is rolling their eyes right now. Oh, absolutely. But they used to have a skit on a show when I, Andy Williams would, would confront like a bear. It was a ripoff of Yogi Bear because it, it always had something to do with cookies. Right. And Andy Williams wouldn't share the cookies with the bear. He would go, <laughs> not now, not ever, <laughs> never. <laughs> See, it makes Steve laugh. We remember. Oh, it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny back in the day. Now everyone's like, can you please get on to the show? Yes, I can. I can. <laughs> so the ticking clock in this episode is 100% connected to the idea that prolonged radiation exposure will kill Saru, Burnham, and Culver. Right. Tick, tick. This may seem like a fairly generic sci-fi plot device, but Trek lore has long established that a bunch of exposure to raw dilithium leads to radiation poisoning. Basically, Bach died in the Wrath Khan because of exposure to the dilithium crystals on the Enterprise. Yeah, it's like a fire hose to his face. Yeah. <laughs> Bach! Both Book and the Cat Grudge are required to undergo DNA recombination to make sure they don't die. Michael Burnham had to do the exact same thing in the Discovery Season 1 debut Battle of the Binary Stars. Radiation is not something to be trifled with. No. <laughs> Looking for dilithium is a huge problem throughout the history of Star Trek. The entire plot of the original series episode, Mirror Mirror, happened because Kirk was trying to negotiate with the Hawkins for mining rights to their crystals. If Kirk had found a planet like this in the original series, the Federation would have been all set. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure he would have got a girlfriend out of it, too. Oh, well, always. Always. <laughs> he doesn't care what color they are, too. Green, blue, no. red. Who cares? <laughs> I like those horns sticking off your forehead. Yeah. T Turning Tilly and Burnham have a heart-to-heart -heart about what it's like to take command, and Burnham mentions a time when Captain Giorgio left her in command. This refers to a time before the series even began when Burnham served with Captain Giorgio on the USS Sinjau. I, you know, I kind of miss that. Yeah. I, I wonder what that... They should have spin-off series of those two, you know, without uh, Giorgio dying or anything. Or, right. Yeah, too bad. Tilly jokes about some fake advice from her grandma Adela. It's a fun moment, but it's also really interesting because on the next generation Picard mentioned his uncle Adele in the episode Ensign Row. <laughs> <laughs> Burnham talks about the construction of the Sinjo at the San Francisco Fleet Yards. Most of the starships from the 23rd century era of Trek were constructed at San Francisco Fleet Yards. I suppose the, the Union became too much and they had to move it to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. 
probably. Saru tells Tilly, you have the con. Trek fans have long heard countless characters utter this phase relative to someone being given command of the ship. But where it does come in from, where does it come from? Con is actually an old nautical term. And it's thought to refer to as conduct. That said, some sources suggest that the con refers to a conning line on the ships which control the rudder of the ship. Either way, having a con means that you're in charge of where the ship goes. And you look at Tilly, she's the captain now. <laughs> that's, that's That'll be interesting to see where she goes with this. Oh, yeah. She'll probably be drunk with power. And Saru will come back later. She'll say, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they call me Killy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Culper's a Bajoran. Burnham's a Trill. No, these aren't cosplaying for the uh, Star Trek convention. But the last time we've seen Bajorans and Trills working together was obviously on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. When we got used to seeing Kira and Dax on co- cool missions every single week. They were cool missions. Yes, they were. <laughs> From those two. So, can Doug Jones' face be an Easter egg? Maybe. <laughs> Do you, it says, I'm reading a script here. Spoiler It says, the vulnerable actor. Do you mean venerable actor? Yeah, I or? think it should be venerable. Oh, okay. <laughs> the venerable actor behind Saru is mostly known for his work inside of makeup and complicated suits. Jones has, of course, played humans before. It's just that from the shape of water to Hellboy, creatures are that he's known for. You know what? Uh, and falling skies. <laughs> and falling skies, yeah. When, uh, Bill Irwin's Kelpin walked away. Did you see the arm? Yes. Yes. The, the arm swing. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's what I thought at first. I was, oh, I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, in Discovery Season 1, Captain Lorca and Tyler used a rudimentary version of a holodeck for training exercise involved killing Klingons and Lorca giving Tyler shit about being from a <laughs> suburb of Seattle. I remember that. That's what yep. I mean. Some fans felt this holodeck violated canon because we think of the holodeck as being a next generation thing. That said, the animated series, The Practical Joker, established the classic Enterprise, like a contemporary with the disco had a kind of low rent holodeck. Yes, the beginning of the holodecks. Yeah, yeah. At least it wasn't a red light holodeck. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't long before I could switch to that. Yeah. So obviously, Saru and company know about holodecks because they've come all the way from to the 31st century. But it's possible they knew about this tech from their own time too. Yeah. But you, you got to bend a few rules. I mean, come on. Yep. <laughs> That's what Star Trek's all about. One of the holograms encountered by Saru and the away team talks about making hasparat. This is a spicy Bajoran food, which originates in the uh, Next Generation series. This is the second time Hasperat has been referenced in Discovery Season 3. Adira was talking about it back in Episode 4, Forget-Me-Not. Yeah, it was the only thing she could make. remember making. <laughs> so, you know, they're going to come out with a cookbook one of these days. Now, hopefully that Kelpian ghost will be have, will have a hat on, you know. Yes. And an apron, you know, stirring something up. <laughs> when I want to see that on a holiday, too. Yes. Oh, look, it's ghost as the chef. When the crew encounters the holographic uh, recreation of the day on Kaminar during the Federation, we see a bunch of slightly new Starfleet uniforms. But this is also true of the replicator technician in the earlier scene. Basically, for the audience, all of these uniforms are brand new. But in Discovery chronology, all of these uniforms were in play like 100 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> in, in case you weren't confused enough already. Right. So, Asira uses a trans warp tunnel to 
to find discovery. Book mentions this is this tech is kind of unreliable. But why are these transwarp tunnels at all? Well, in the Next Generation episode, Descent, we learned that the Borg use transwarp tunnels to get around. This fact was reinforced through the Star Trek Voyager and most recently in Star Trek Picard. In fact, Soji helped guide the La Sarana into a transwarp tunnel right before the big finale of Picard Season 1. Yes, she did. I'm not sure I still understand the technology behind a transwarp tunnel. And right. In fact, there's a <laughs> dilithium shortage. Which one is it? Yeah. Well, I don't know if the Borg ever used well, dilithium used- for their warp capabilities. We don't know what they used. It w- wasn't it suggested that's the only way to do it, though? Because, uh, look, wasn't it the Romulans and the Vulcans tried another, and uh, they thought they had conquered? Yeah, the, yeah they, that's right. The, the Vulcans and Romulans did try. And the Borg were a bunch of parasites, so they could have got it from anybody. Oh, very true. Very yeah. true. Except liquid space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the USS Discovery has a cloaking device. Yay! In terms of on-screen cannon, this is the first Federation starship we've seen rocking a cloaking device since the USS Defiant on Deep Space Nine. Back in the day, the Federation was totally not allowed to have cloaking devices because of a treaty with the Romulans. This was the like the entire premise of the next generation, the Pegasus, and also the reason why Defiant briefly had to have a Romulan reserver on board when they used their own cloaking device. <laughs> Man, you know, there must be a book somewhere that is so thick they have to have a, a, a one of those two-wheelers to launch. Yes! <laughs> Good grief. But this is the 31st century, and the Romans are now part of the Vulcans, and it seems like the rules have changed. Next Generation episode, All Good Things, which was pretty awesome. Yes. A future version of the Enterprise was able to cloak. Can some version of that future still be happening over on uh, Picard? No doubt we'll find out. I mean, they borrow yeah. from each other like crazy. Yes, they do. <laughs> Second to lastly, Osira is annoyed that Tilly doesn't have a catchphrase for when the ship goes into black alert. Well, they do. They just say black alert. Yeah. He uses four drive. Unknowingly, Osiris actually referenced a bigger conversation that Tilly and Saru had a few episodes back when there was a big discussion about Saru's catchphrase. Let's just say, Osiris, get us out of here. is isn't great, <laughs> but it beats manifest. Yeah. <laughs> manifest. <laughs> or I, execute. I, yeah, execute. Somebody dies on the bridge. <laughs> if you say manifest, at least somebody comes up with a uh, clipboard and a piece of paper on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a good reminder that while Saru doesn't have a catchphrase, Tilly doesn't either. Maybe like, what please? <laughs> and if it was kill, it's like, I'll kill you if you don't press the right button. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have some feedback this week. As always, our friend Fred from the Netherlands has provided us some feedback. <laughs> you wait till you hear this. <laughs> okay. This is Taryn Fred on special request. Listen to the last podcast of Demoted Captain Dave and Demoted Chief Engineer Steve. I you know what? what? You should have heard from Taryn Fred. Yes. <laughs> that would have been great. I hated this episode. <laughs> I think the until writing staff should be put in an agonizer. Well, don't worry. That agonizer can be arranged for you. Then just the demotion will not be all. You have clearly behaved too nicely towards all the audience of the Fangirl Zone by providing them every week with a too terrific podcast. 
Somebody else that should be demoted is the showrunner of Star Trek Discovery, not announcing that this episode has at least two parts, or perhaps even three. At the end of this episode I thought, what the heck? Another person that should be demoted is this Commander Burnham, because she is breaking the Terran law of forbidden whispering. Listen to some covert recordings of our secret service proving that she is constantly whispering. Here is an example talking to Book. And Saru worries you. I'm not sure he can be objective. How he'll handle it if he has to make a hard call. A painful one. And that costs him. But that's what it means to be a captain. He's gonna need you down there. But whatever answers we find, I just hope they're enough. And another one talking to Tilly. Whenever Giorgio got into a tricky situation, she felt like all the different choices were mind-numbing. She would press on it with her thumb to kind of stay in the moment, you know. And the first time she made me acting captain, When I sat down, I immediately fell for it. But all that was there was this little shiny spot where she had rubbed that fur into a death. And I've seen Saru touch the one here on Discovery. So, fur, dead, shiny spot, whatever. It's there for you. You can be sure this will have big consequences for her. This was all. No greetings. Not the best for 2021. It's all shit. This was Terran Fred from New Zealand, which is the opposite position of the Netherlands on the globe. P.S. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some very best wishes for 2021. Greetings. Bye. Oh my god. <laughs> Created a monster, Terran Fred. All hail Emperor Fred! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Terra Firma. <laughs> oh, I bet he, he's, he, I bet he's relishing it now. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was so awesome, Fred. Thank you so much. <laughs> It'd give you a gold statue, but in the uh, Terran universe, they're not gold. No. The opposite of that. Yeah. A black statue. <laughs> yes, and burn him in the whispering shadow. Be the downfall of her yet. <laughs> it, it is kind of interesting though, because her uh, her Terran opposite is always screaming at somebody. Right. <laughs> yeah, that will be um, something we'll have to, uh, like I said, part two, part three. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I don't mind a two parter. Those are usually pretty exciting. Oh guess, yeah, but they usually let us know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess after already having Terraforma part one and part too i guess they kind of felt like well if we tell them the next three are all part one part two part three eh, maybe five <laughs> that's too much so we'll just name them something different yeah well that's not gonna sit well with terry fred he's just heads heads will roll heads will roll definitely <laughs>
And Fred, thank you as always, and wishing you and your family the best in 2021. We would love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season, and looking forward to interacting on social media with all the great fans. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? They can go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link where you'll find several ways to contact us via email or through social media. On Twitter, he's at Salier Steve, and I'm at the Real ID Dave. Please review and rate us on iTunes and every other platform you're listening to us on as good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us as there are a lot of Star Trek Discovery podcasts out there. Tell your friends and hope you're enjoying our podcast and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. The 12th episode is on December 31st and is titled The Good of the People. So until then, remember, this is Chief Engineer Steve. Damn straight. I'm kind of busy right now. So could you get to the point? <laughs> this is Redshirt Dave, and I think I look pretty good for an elder. If you ask me nice, I'll sing you a lullaby, or I'll let you touch my burr. <laughs>